every year I think movies suck. I get frustrated with the superheroes, sequels, reboots, remakes. Don't get me started on the remakes. As a consumer, I wonder, what the hell has gotten into Hollywood? Are the writers on strike? It's a real question. That's not to say I don't enjoy the movies, because every year I find myself in a darkened theater, excited once the lights go dim and the previews begin. There is something special about a movie theater. But when you think about it, it's the movie. That's why we go. Even when we don't go to the theater, but run to the market for a DVD or flip through the endless parade of inane Discovery Channel documentaries on Netflix to get to that one movie we actually will watch. It's the movie. What is it about the movie? Is it the characters? Have the filmmakers challenged us with a whodunit leading us on for nearly the entire 110 minutes before dropping the bomb that Bruce Willis was actually dead the whole time? What is it about the movies that keeps us, keeps us coming back for more? In 50 years from now, will others look back at this time and see it as a golden age of filmmaking? Or do today's movies just suck? Welcome to the Morton Podcast. A cynical turn there. I wasn't expecting that. Well, you know, it can't all be roses, I guess. Wow. I have to be a little bit more optimistic. I, I think I am, and I think you'll find. I think you'll find, but I think this whole conversation got started a couple weeks ago. You and I were talking. That it was cynical. I started thinking, God, movies are just horrible right now. Some movies, not all movies. No, and and I think that's what you'll find tonight in the discussion. I think you'll find that I'm not I'm not quite so cynical. Okay. That's why I said in 50 years from now, I mean, are are people really gonna are they gonna look back and they're gonna see? I mean, you and I especially, we we've got we we love tradition and and heritage, history. And so we look back at a lot of the old movies and um, we have an appreciation for those older movies. Um, And, and I think, I think rightly so. I think a lot of those older movies are just done really, really well. Um, You know, but today's movies, eh, not so sure. And so that's what I wonder. I mean, we look back on movies that, you know, Cary Grant was in and, and, you know, some of the black and whites and, and um, we, we think, God, it's the golden age of Hollywood. And that was 50, 60 years ago. And I'm just wondering if people are going to look back 50, 60 years from now and, and see Pacific Rim and wonder, you know, or Transformers and wonder, you know, is this the golden age of, of movies? No, I don't think they will, but I think some movies are just just for entertainment. Just to kind of get away 
and spend fifteen, sixteen dollars out. Twenty two. Whatever it is. <laughs> Depending on where you go. It's just ridiculous. Mortgage, uh, I honestly don't understand why it costs that much. But anyway, that's another conversation, another show. It may not be. I mean, that may be part of this conversation, <clears> but you know, to spend whatever it's gonna cost you to get in and to just get away for a couple of hours or hours. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be the best movie you've seen all year with the best acting, the best screenplay, the best everything. Just a little bit of get back. No, and yeah, I I, I understand that. Um I'm I'm challenged with and and I won't even go the action route um because I think that a lot of that is just, hey, grab a popcorn, watch the movie. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, you kind of turn your brain off for the next couple hours type of thing. Um, but I'm, I'm challenged when I – I'm challenged with movies like um, what Adam Sandler's putting out right now or has put out for a long time um, or some of the Will Ferrell – style of movies. I know that a lot of people like that. I understand that. But it's just, it's kind of, for me, it's kind of a trick pony uh, type of deal. And I'm just challenged with thinking, okay, you know, is this, is this the golden age of movie making right now? Well, is this a golden age of movie making right now? Here's the thing, and and this may be kind of going off on a different conversation, but I think I think the sad thing is that we have dumbed down not just movie making, we've dumbed down our society. We have made everything mediocre, you know, and you know everything. You know, you and I talked about this a few weeks ago about my dad's generation being the great generation. Right. Our generation and our kids' generation, unfortunately, is a generation of mediocrity. Right. Because you go to a birthday party and everybody gets something, not just the child right. who it's their birthday. You don't want anybody to feel left out. Right. So everybody has to win. Everybody has to have a prize. Everybody, nobody wants to feel left out. Nobody wants to come in second place. So everybody gets a prize. Right. So we're, we're raising this generation, and this happens not just at birthday parties, but at schools, at camps, right. everywhere you go. Right. Everybody is a winner, and that's just that's garbage. That's ridiculous. There right. needs to be a clear winner. You won, and sorry, you lost. Right. <laughs> that's the way it is. Right. No, that's and that's Kids real life. Buck yeah. up. Yeah. You lost. Right. And when you go to a birthday party, it's Tommy's birthday. The rest of you bring a gift and get over it. Right. You don't deserve a gift bag. You don't deserve a prize. You don't deserve a present. It's not your birthday. Right. If you can't handle it, come. Right. Parents teach those kids to not be selfish, to be selfless. Talk about taking a cynical turn. Here. Well, no, I mean my point is that that's no, I agree. We have raised this generation of of that everybody wins right. of that. Nobody is nobody is 
it, there's no excellence. Right. So tie that to movies. Because it's mediocrity. Everything is mediocre. There's nothing above anything else. So what we're just accepting, we're just accepting less because yes, overall society is just accepting less. Yes, we're accepting mediocrity across the board. I don't, I don't disagree with that. I mean, look at and and this isn't the conversation we're having, but look at the look at the uh, the state of politics today. Oh, I don't want to look at. Yeah, I, I mean, but I know it's. You know, we're looking at, at mediocrity. So, and what did I tell you the other day when when they were showing the candidates on the screen? I said, with all the people that we have, that's the absolute best right. we can do. <laughs> right. Are you kidding me? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean. So and that, but see, and and it's funny you should say it that way too because let's bring it back to movies. That's how I feel about movies. Like we've got all this talent in this country, and and then you go to the movie theater, and and that's the best we can do. But there are there are some amazing films out there, incredible films out there. The sad thing is is that you have to search far and wide to find them right. because the ones that are getting the most noise are the mediocre films right. because those are being seen by the masses, right. by the mediocre people. Right. And why? Because the mediocre people are the masses. Right. Those are the people that can't find their way out of a paper bag with a map. <laughs> I'm telling you, they can't uh. because... You know, they're the ones that were given booty bags at the park right. because they're mediocre. Yeah, that's that's the society that's out there right now. So, do you remember? Do you remember what we had just watched um, and kind of what got us starting this conversation about uh, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago? And I said, you know, that that should really be our next our next show. We saw Mad Max. Yeah, we were driving home. We had, mm-hmm. after we had seen Fury Road with the kids, right? And uh, and so we got we got to talking about because you and I had both seen. Well, I, you, have you seen all three of the, the previous? I know I've seen at least the first two. I don't know if I've seen the first three. Okay, but I know for sure I've seen the first two. Yeah, and. If I look at the case of the DVD, I'll be able to tell you if I've seen it, but I I just can't. Right. It's been a long time. Well, the third one's with um, Tina Turner. You were telling me that. Yeah, you won't prove. Raggedy Man. I think I've seen it, but I can't Aren't we a pair? I just can't remember. Raggedy Man. (laughs) Don't give everything away. (laughs) That's when Tina Turner got her British accent. (laughs) Aren't we a pair? Raggedy Man. She and Madonna both at the same time. Right. Um, and we're saying, see the, the new, and, and then we were surprised or I was surprised anyway to hear a couple of weeks after that, uh, or, or shortly after that anyway, that, um, Mad Max had been nominated for an Academy Award. I was blown away. Yeah, I was too. Yeah. And see, I thought, I'm, I'm surprised it gets, it gets the, um, the praise that it gets. Because um, it's a it's a good movie, it's a good action movie, but that's the talking about the movie is the whole reason we started talking about this is that you know, there's no character development. It's a it's a good 
escape for a couple hours. Cool movie. Cool stuff happens. Yeah. But is it Academy Award worthy movie? Absolutely not. Yeah, I didn't think Absolutely so either. Absolutely not. Because here's the thing, and I I wrote I, I wrote writing some it's notes down not. about like like why and even in the end what is like what is it about the movies that we love, right? Because we I mean I I wonder if movies suck, but we've we've seen five of the eight best picture yeah. nominees, and after tomorrow we'll have seen six, right? Um, and uh, there's there's some really good movies in there. Good characters, really good, solid, solid movies. And so, like for me, that's that's what it's. Especially like when I write, I'm always worried about the characters because for me, I almost care less about the story itself than I do about the characters. For me, it's about. Because if you're watching, and I wrote down um, Wolf of Wall Street. Well, I wrote down two di- two two different movies as an example of what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, I'm I'm all for me, and I don't know if this is across the board, but I'm a character guy. Like I want to fall in love with the character, or I want to absolutely hate him, right? So when I'm I'm looking at the screen, I want to root for somebody. So I wrote down American Hustle, which is a, a, a fairly recent movie that got a lot of praise, and, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people watch. Uh, and I love that movie because of the characters. But I didn't really care about the story. I really didn't care about the plot because the plot was kind of weak, and, and it wasn't a solid plot if I'm watching that. You know, it wasn't a whodunit anyway, right. but it wasn't just a really solid, tight storyline. But I didn't care. The characters were just so messed up, and but I I rooted against the the bad guy and I rooted for the good guy, and because the characters were just compelling, and I loved them. But it was a a, a perfect a, a perfect example of strong characters, weak weak storyline, right? And then. Uh, either the same year or, or right around. And the I same didn't time. like that movie. Right. Right, and, and that's okay. I mean, it wasn't because the acting was poor, or I just not my cup of tea. Right, and I would say a movie like that, where the characters are all that kind of messed up anyway, is really not your cup of tea. Is that fair to say? Yeah, probably. I mean, all those all those characters yeah. were all uh, out for themselves. Really, your. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like Suits on TV. I love Suits. Right. But for me, it's all about, you know. But I just, I just care for that movie. Care, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then the other, the other movie that I, that I wrote down as a juxtaposition of that was Wolf of Wall Street. Right. Where, you know, and I, I really don't remember a whole lot about the storyline, about the plot, to be honest with you, because I hated the characters so much. I didn't like any of them. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't like any of them, I, I just didn't care about the movie. Like, I didn't care if anything happened to them. Like, if they all fell off the face of the earth, I wouldn't care. And and to me, that is the sign of a bad movie because you you have to get emotionally involved with the characters. Else, what's the point? Right. You know, I mean, then what do I care? Right. 
I mean, why am I, why am I spending, if I'm going to spend two hours and I don't get emotionally involved with the characters, then, then why am I going to spend two hours? And, and that's how I felt about Wolf of Wall Street. So it could have been the tightest storyline, but I wouldn't know because I, 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 I hated all the characters. You know, I didn't. I don't know who the good guy was. I don't know who the bad guy was. It didn't matter. I wanted them. I just wanted it to end. I didn't care enough to watch it. Yeah. Well, it just. It didn't appeal to me. Not from the commercials. Not from the trailer. Nothing. I just. Nothing about it appealed to me. But that was kind of my. I mean, I've got you know, I've got two whole pages of notes here on on um, examples about movies and storyline and, and whatnot, but. That was kind of my uh, an example of two recent movies of one that I really re- I really liked the movie because of the characters and I really hated the movie because of the characters on a separate one. And I see I thought I thought Mad Max Fury Road was was a good movie. I enjoyed it. I did too. But to I didn't me, love it. no, I didn't either. But I didn't I, think it was a Mad Max movie. That's the thing that I felt. And and the reason that I felt like it was a good movie, but it wasn't a Mad Max movie, because there was no character development. You know, like I... See, it, movies are all about decision-making, right? You're looking at these characters, and they're all making decisions. And for me, like, getting involved with the characters, I don't know why they're making those decisions. You know? I may not agree with why they're making the decision, but if I understand why they're making the decision, then I can have that emotional attachment, right? Because then I can understand why they're doing what they're doing. Or even if I don't agree about why they're making the decision. Right, that's my I, point. I have, yeah, I have to understand the character. and that, That's my point. Yeah. I don't know. I, it, it, it's not important for me to agree with why they're making those decisions. It's important for me to know why they're making those right. decisions. Because, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of characters, you know, especially the bad guys. You know, bad guys usually don't have a don't have a good reason for making the decision, but they have a reason. Right. And that's the thing is I, I want to know what that reason is, especially if it's a bad guy and, and I don't agree with why they're making the decision. Then it makes it easier for me to get emotionally involved with hating that character. Right. Um, and so so that that's kind of like a big thing for me is you have to let me know why the characters are making the decisions that they're making. Cause ultimately the story really, you know, unless it's a, unless it's a brain teaser or a whodunit, I think a whodunit is a, a mystery type movie is it's really important that the story and the plot is solid. Right. I agree. Cause, cause then it, as a whodunit, it just doesn't work. You know, because then you could see what happened a mile away, and then like Sixth Sense, good example, with Bruce Willis. Um, if you see what's coming, and and the storyline's just not solid, um, it, the movie doesn't work. But um, that director, am I boring? Sorry. Is that, just a giant yawn in the middle of my monologue here. I was trying to make it quiet, but now that everybody knows I yawn. <laughs> Either that or sniffle, though. Live with the yawn. No, I get it. You're not feeling good. Somebody got me sick. Yeah, twice, actually. Three times. Lady but, 
And I love you. So, what's uh, do you have an example of of storylines? I I have all of the uh, all of the best picture nominees for this year, and like you were saying, we've seen five. We're going to see a sixth. And hopefully we'll see the remaining ones. Um, that's the plan anyway. We still have a couple weeks, right? Yeah. And um, uh, let's start with some of the ones we've seen. We talked about Mad Max. Um, we saw The Martian, mm-hmm. which we both really liked. Mm-hmm. Um it's funny that it got an award for best picture in the comedy category and um, the producer director was Ridley Scott. He was making, I think it was Ridley Scott was making a joke about, you know, he kind of laughed like, thinking it wasn't a comedy. He doesn't right. consider it being a comedy, but it's very funny. It's very charming and, and witty. And, and um, I say, take, take the, comedic award and run with it, right. you know, which, you know. But I think it's that thing where you create a piece of art and you have a perception of what the art is. And then someone else looks at it and sees something completely different. Right. And you just don't understand it. Right. I mean, look at look at every breath you take by Sting right. or by, you know, by the police. You know, everyone plays that at their at their wedding, their wedding. And, and they don't understand that that's a stalking song. I mean, right. that's a dark song. Right. So, I mean, I think that's his point. He, I get it. I get it. But it's still, the movie's still strong enough to be nominated for Best Picture for an Academy Award. So, hey, good for him. Right. But we both really liked it. Um, I I thought it was really good, fun movie. I actually liked it better than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what I thought I was expecting. I thought, I think I was thinking it was going to be more on the heels of, of uh, another, like, oh, one more movie about space. And, you know. Because <laughs> space is not another me. subject that you care too much about. Although you enjoyed Interstellar. I did. And then there was that one. And then there was the, the, George Clooney and Sandra Gravity. Grab that one. It's like, all right, dude. We but you didn't it. enjoy did Gravity. It. I don't think I didn't enjoy it. It was just like, all right, we did it. I want to do. Let's do some. Maybe let's do an underwater one. It's like we're, you know, <laughs> we keep. And then we went to the California Science Center and we saw that that Interstellar, the one we saw twice. Yeah. Twice. You know, it's like, all right, we're, we've kind of done space. Let's do something else. And so then Gravity came or. Martian came out and it's like, really, again, space, you know? But see, it really wasn't about space. Well, it wasn't about the ocean. No, no, no. It, it, because he wasn't in space. He was on Mars. <laughs> he was on a planet. I mean, that's not space, Holmes. That's, you know, like, come on. It's your geography straight. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Do you realize how ridiculous that sentence sounds? It's true, though. <laughs> He wasn't in space. He was on a planet. <laughs> oh, that's the best sound bite I've heard in a long time. 
Oh, my goodness. Okay. Moving right along. So why did you like The Martian? I said it was very charming. He, it, was, it was witty. I mean, I, I laughed. I mean, the, most of the movie is Matt Damon just, you know, it, it was funny. It was, it was, you, you were, you were rooting for, you're rooting for the underdog. Right. And, you know, and it, it pulled at your heartstrings at the same time you were laughing and you, you were, it was a very American story, you know, very happy for your country. Right. And, so many emotions back and forth. I mean, it, it ran the gamut of emotions, which was great. Most movies don't do that. Right. You know, you feel um, happy to be an American. Right. And make you laugh and make you on the on the verge of crying. Right. And, and, but see, and, and all from, of those things. And for me, all of that comes with character development. Because you care about the characters. And we care about the characters because we know who they are. Right. And we know why they're making the decisions. I mean, we know why Matt Damon is making the decisions that he's making. Sure. You know, that's survival. just survival. But um a guy who's on Mars but not in space. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you're not in space, are you? You're on a planet. See, you just need – it's geography. It's a geography lesson. That's the thing. <laughs> but if they said it's about a person who lives in – you know, Baltimore, they wouldn't say that's not a movie about somebody in space. That's a little bit different. That's not a movie about someone who's in space. Baltimore is not in space. Kind of my point. Kind of my point. But he wasn't in Baltimore. He was on Mars. Still that's a planet. Not really the same. Okay, now along. Let's talk about that. If you had said Pluto, not a planet. <laughs> You're right, because Pluto is a dog. Pluto's a dog. Right. Okay. <laughs> the Revenant. Yeah, I actually like that movie a lot more than I thought I was going to. Right. And Wolf of Wall Street is the reason why, because that killed me for Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> okay. That, that is that movie. why you didn't want to go see it? I'm telling you, Wolf of Wall Street ruined me for Le- – I'm not a huge Leonardo DiCaprio fan anyway. And, and originally, you were going to go see Star Wars by yourself, and I was going to go see The Revenant by myself. Yeah, and I I and wanted to I see wore it. You down. No, <laughs> well you did, but it didn't have anything to do with the movie. Uh, I I I wanted to see it once it got nominated um, because I like to I like to go into the, the Academy Awards, at seeing as many of the movies as as I as I can, um, and then I ended up enjoying it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um, for two reasons, because um, it wasn't just Leonardo DiCaprio that that kind of I was shot about. Uh, it was also the director. We had seen Birdman um, a few months ago, maybe, and uh, Alejandro Inarritu yeah. um, is the same director. And I was kind of worried a little bit. I really enjoyed Birdman. But I thought that the one-take aspect of Birdman deterred from the movie it could have been, even though it got great praise and um, uh, won awards and all that. For me as a consumer, I didn't I didn't enjoy the one-take 
aspect of Birdman. And so going into The Revenant, I was worried that there was going to be cam- too many camera gimmicks that was going to deter from the movie. And he didn't do a one-take perspective in The Revenant, which I appreciated, but he still had really long single takes. And I thought was appropriate. But it for me, it still went back to, I thought Leonardo DiCaprio did a great job. If he, he, if he wins an Academy Award, I won't be surprised. He's going to. Yeah. I'm making a prediction. We're not, this isn't the prediction show. I can say what I want to say. This isn't the prediction show. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> and it, it's inspired by true events, which is nice. I always like that. So we both really enjoyed that. Yep. Room. That was the first of all the movies that we saw. That was one that, interestingly enough, um, I didn't realize that until you told until after we had seen the movie. Well, let let me back up. The girls had read the book um, when they were in college, and then um, suggested I read it, so I did. Loved the book, mm-hmm. and then now, however many years later, seven years later or something, it becomes this movie. So I wanted to go see it and then you knew I wanted to see it. So you went with me. I didn't know until after we had seen it um, that you didn't know anything about the movie. Yeah. I could normally you do some research about what we're going to go see or, you know, whatever. So I was really surprised that you knew nothing about the movie when we went to see it because I know it was limited release and we had to go find a small theater to go see it. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, that's the first movie I think in my entire life. Um, I, I literally only knew the name of the movie. I didn't know who was in it. I didn't know who directed it. I knew nothing about the story, nothing. I couldn't have told you. I, I, I I had no idea. I didn't know if it was a cast of a million, if it was a cast of four, which it ended up basically being very small. Um, I I had no idea. I had no idea what I was getting into. And it was it's a it's an incredible movie. It's it's difficult. I I said this before we out to dinner after the movie and and I said it's hard for me in a movie like that to say I enjoyed the movie. Because with the content I just get I I get emotional um and and angry at what's going on. Right. It's, it's, uh, there's, um, there's a, a based on a true story movie called Black Hawk Down, um, about losing two Black Hawk helicopters in Somalia. And I had difficulty watching that movie. In fact, there's another movie and we'll talk about it later, but Schindler's List is another one. I just, I have a tough time just really enjoying the movie. They're phenomenal movies. But I just get emotional, like, all right, I'm upset, and I want to hurt somebody. <laughs> like, someone's responsible for these bad things right. that are going on, and all I want to do is just make them pay. And so it's it's hard for me to say, it's kind of hard for me to get focused on, okay, just enjoy what I'm watching and enjoy the art, because I I just get, I, I'm mad, I want something to happen, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And they're they're great movie and room room is a phenomenally 
acted moving. It was the character development and the the characters themselves are amazing. And it and it's so not only that, but it was so well done. Mm-hmm. It was it was so well shot, you know, because so much of the movie is shot in that room, mm-hmm. in the space of that room, mm-hmm. and and you really get a sense of claustrophobia. You you in really there. do of of them, just the two of them in that eleven by eleven space, and and I mean, for those that are listening who are familiar with the story, if you've not read the book, I encourage you to reach encourage you to read the book because the book is just. It's phenomenal. Um, Emma Donahue wrote the book, and it's just so, so good. Um, go see the movie if you haven't seen the movie, but read the book. Do yourself in the book. So, um, and it's uh, it's interesting that you... It's not set in space. It's not. <laughs> it's set in a space. It's just not in set on a planet. Um and then the next one is Spotlight and I have a question for you but um we both really really liked Spotlight. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> um that's also based on a true story. Um it's interesting that you didn't come away from that or at least you haven't expressed so far with the same feeling that you did about Room angry like hard to enjoy it because you know the the emotion that you just expressed mm-hmm. same as with lockdown in Schindler's List right you don't say that about spotlight and you didn't say that right after we saw spotlight and i haven't heard you say anything when you've spoken to it to other people about it right um a, a couple reasons um the for the, I, I feel about Spotlight a, a, a lot for the same reasons that I felt about um, Zero Dark Thirty. Okay. Uh, have you seen that movie yet? I have not. Okay. It's on my list of movies to see. I've just not seen it. Um, I has become one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and not just because Jessica Chastain. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> but tell your story walking without. Without giving anything away, because it doesn't, the the movie starts with a black screen. Zero Dark Thirty does, mm-hmm. and all you hear are yeah, the plot and everything. I mean, if you don't know how the movie ends, because uh, I like a movie with a happy ending, mm-hmm. which is why I like that movie. Um, it the movie starts with a black screen, and you hear real live nine one one calls from nine eleven, and. Nothing pissed me off quicker than thinking about what happened on 9-11. Because talking about, I really want to hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, is that I know how it ends. And it's a struggle getting there. But it does kind of have a happy ending for me. In that emotional state of, I want someone to pay for what's going on. There's justice. I'd say it's a happy ending. Well, There's justice. In my crude terminology, yeah, in the sense that there is it, and it it's done yet by any means, right? But in fact, just this week, the Catholic Church 
convened a um, a committee to discuss priest molestation. Um, the conversation is is ongoing, and it's no longer something where everyone's turning their head and saying it, it doesn't happen anymore. Um, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of talk about changing what goes on in the Catholic Church because of how priests are handling um, themselves, you know, their their behavior. Spotlight was a huge part of that. And the because for those of you that don't know, Spotlight is a investigative journalism team for the Boston Globe. And their expose of the the police molestation scandal in Boston is obviously what that movie's about. And it's so for me, I, I still get I still get like really upset like, you know, someone needs to pay. But the nice thing about Spotlight is that the stories did come out and they did expose what was going on and there was a lot of national and international attention brought to that issue. So it it people are starting to pay for that. So there is there's beginnings of justice there with things like room um things like schindler's list especially the there's no way to gauge which atrocity is 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 more damaging than the other there isn't right. i mean they're all horrible um and you know on on many different levels um there's 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 things that can be done now in the Catholic Church to change the way things are happening and there's survivors with the Holocaust completely different story and I'll tell you part of why I get really emotional or feel that way about it is cuz when we filmed Scarecrow Mrs. King in Germany I was fortunate enough even though it was it's it's an unfortunate situation, but I was fortunate enough to go to one of the concentration camps and to witness firsthand those buildings and you know kind of get a sense of of what really happened and um so i there's a it, it kind of hits you know a movie like Schindler's List kind of hits home for me. Because I, even as a kid, I understood the atrocity, and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. At this point, done. There's nothing you can do. Guys can go to jail, you know, people can get exposed for it, whatever, but there's nothing you can do. That kind of ticked me off. Um, so does that does that kind of explain? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a. It's not always a clean or rational way of thinking it's very emotional but that's why there's a there's a difference there but i i spotlight was i really enjoyed it oh i did too <clears throat> but and i kind I really, of i really did i kind of went in thinking that i was going to enjoy it um that kind of movie is right up my alley there's um all the president's men with robert redford and dustin hoffman is another um, movie about newspaper investigative journalism 
that um, I just absolutely am in love with, again, based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Keaton has actually done uh, a movie, um, late 80s, early 90s, I think, called The Paper, um, which is a fiction you know, movie. That, that actually has a lot of comedy in it, uh, but it's still a drama um, that that's kind of why I wanted to see Spotlight because I thought it would be that kind of movie and it and it was, um, but Spotlight doesn't have a whole lot of comedy in it. I mean, it's it's a pretty intense movie. I mean, it does have moments, but it's still a pretty intense movie. Sorry, I was running That's all right. Well, you I was wetting your whistle. So spotlight for you? I I really liked it. I I liked it. Yeah, I liked it just fine. And that's a movie I think that had solid characters and a solid story. Mhm. Yeah, it, it was good. Yeah, I'm a Mark Ruffalo fan and Rachel <laughs> McAdams fan. Uh-huh. So. so here we go. No, I mean. And I'll and I'll be honest. I mean, that's usually what will draw me to to a story. You know, is do I like who's in it? And, right. You know, then does the I know that may sound like a thing, but you know, do I like who's in it? And then does the story sound something I want to watch? And if it's if there aren't people that I immediately recognize, whatever the story may still sound interesting. You know. Then, then that might be a hit for me. Sometimes there's people that I know that are in it, but the story doesn't really do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, and I told you before, like Bridge of Spies was one, and that's the next one we're going to watch. We're going to see that tomorrow. That when I first saw the the trailer for that, the first trailer I saw didn't really tell me anything about the movie. Right. And even though Tom Hanks is one of the biggest movie stars of our generation. And I love Tom Hanks. Right. It was like, okay, but there's nothing about that commercial, that trailer that says, pick up your purse right now, go to the movies and come see this. Right. Nothing. Right. So, and and then I couldn't even remember the name of the movie. Every time you would talk about it, I'm like, you're like, you know, it's when the Tom Hanks is in. I'm like, oh yeah. And I, the next day, what's the name of that movie again? Right. I could never remember the name of the movie. It was so unremarkable that I couldn't remember. Right. But the other one... No, watch. We'll watch. It'll be your favorite movie. Could Probably not. Ever. But maybe. <laughs> Brooklyn. Um, I really wanted to see Brooklyn. Right. You know, that one stood out to me. Right. I wanted to see that one. I haven't seen that one yet, but I'm hoping to before before the Oscars, you know, air. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm interested reason. in seeing that. And then the big short was kind of that one I wanted to see before I wanted to see um, Bridge of Spies. Right. So... Um, you know, and I told you, kind of in that order, if I didn't see Bridge of Spies and, and The Big Short, that would be okay with me. Right. But I, you and I kind of want to see the last three before before the Oscars air. So, right. you know. Let me correct something. I think it is a chick thing to watch a movie based on the based on, on who's in it, have an interest. But I also, That's what attracts well, me initially. But hold on. Gets my attention. I, it's a guy thing, too. It's a dude thing, too. It's not a it's not a chick thing like I don't I don't see that as derogatory like um 
you like a football team based on their uniforms. Right. That to me is like, like, um, okay, well, I mean, you, you're not watching it for the sport. You're just watching it for the uniforms. To me, that kind of lessens why you're watching the sport because guys do the exact same thing for movies and what, whether they'll admit it or not, they do. They either watch it because the girl is in it, that, that that's the girl they want to watch, or they watch it because... <laughs> Jessica Chastain. <laughs> everything she's in. Right. Um, it, you, you can't go wrong with Jessica Chastain. I, she's stunningly beautiful. I she's incredibly talented. She's a badass in Zero Dark Thirty. I, I like a strong woman. Heck yeah. I get it. Um, but uh, guys will watch movies because of the guys that are in it too. I, I mean, you know, how many how many guys talk about their George Clooney's even their man crush, you know, because he's just a cool guy. He's charming, you know. He's the guy that that girls want to be with. He's the guy that guys want to hang out with. That kind of thing. Right. So yeah, it is a it is a chick thing for you to look at a movie and go, oh, that person's in it or that person's in it. Because you had already said it um, with Spotlight, like Mark Ruffalo is in it, so that's a reason why you want to watch it. But so is Rachel McAdams. That's another reason why you want to watch it. So, right. you know, it's not like you're just watching just for five. Right. Chan- Channing Tatum. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Any movie he's Hail in. season. Yeah. Um, but you'll watch it because because you connect with or you associate with the females that are in the movie as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So, did you have more that you wanted on the best picture that no. you wanted to talk about? No, or? no. Can move on. So, did you want to do top ten lists? Sure. All right. Top ten lists. Here we go. All right, shoot, top 10. You need to go? Yeah, heck yeah. All right, well, as a lot of you may know, I love to read. uh, And I kind of mentioned in there, excuse me, that I read Room many years ago and that uh, loved the book. So when it came to my top 10 list, I chose... um, a list of most popular um, based on novel feature films that were in 2015. Okay, cool. So, um, and I have some other things to talk about. Any of these take place in space? I guess not. (laughs) (laughs) I thought one did, but they all take place on a planet. I've been corrected. Um, Tied for first um, is the Revenant in room. Okay. Um, and they're tied this because they from? were from me. Do you not hear me talking? Oh, sorry. I'm sitting across from you. Sorry, I realized this was your top ten. I'm sorry. No, it was it was a website I found. Um, That's what I'm asking. I don't remember now. Okay. I think it was an IMDb list. Okay, go ahead. Um, and then they were, in, and they're tied because they were rated from people who had seen the movies and rated them. So. Okay. Um, so the Revenant and Room were both given the same rating. Okay. Um, and then was The Martian, which I guess is not a movie about space. It's 
some guy who's not I think he's Mars more or something. <laughs> so bitter. And then um uh next is t- also tied um our beasts of no nation and me and Earl and the dying girl, which now makes me want to go see that movie, find that movie, wait, we'll wait till it comes on DVD or something. Never even heard Shaking of it. Shaking your head, I was saying your head, no, like you don't want to go see I've it. I've never even heard of it. Um, that was given a 7.8 rating, same as Beasts of No Nation. I'm going to tell you Beasts of No Nation. I want to see that because anything Idris Elba does, um, I want to see. I, I'm telling you right now, my vote is that he's the next James Bond. I, I heard that the other day. Uh, he should be the next James Bond. I think that guy is badass. Hashtag badass. For the PG crowd, that's badass. Oh, okay, my fault. Yes. Okay. Um, so then the next um, number six would be Brooklyn. You probably didn't know most of these books. So I I did and I didn't. You didn't. I mean, don't pretend that you did. <laughs> um, next is Carol. Okay. Um, then The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2. Of course, I'm sure we all knew that. Um, the Danish Girl, which is a movie that I really wanted to see. Yeah, still want I, to see yeah I, I still want to see that, too. I really want to see that. I would not be surprised if Eddie Redmayne gets Best Actor again this year. Get it. I'm just saying. I'm throwing yeah. it out there. You made so my prediction. I'm, oh, oh, well, because you made your prediction? Then. Just, I, you can make your prediction. I made mine. All I'm saying is... Is that I I would I would feel comfortable yeah. as a voter, <clears throat> right? And I've seen all of the Revenant. I would you've seen you've seen none of the Danish Girl, <laughs> right? Except for the trailer, right? I would feel comfortable and justified giving the Academy Award to Eddie Redmayne based on the trailer. Eddie, who? Eddie Redmayne. 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 Yeah, that's that's for our Southern contingent. My goodness. And then number 10 is Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like The Hunger Games Part 2. Yeah. You know, it's really funny. Funny, it, haha, funny? funny? Funny, yeah, no, it's okay. funny, haha, funny. My, it, it, it was a top 20 list, but I'll, I'll Are only we give going it to you now? Because I'm not done. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Should I have put up my script? <laughs> <laughs> wow, you know what? What I was going to say. How about this? Because you said, you know, it's really funny. And I said, funny, hot. And I wasn't laughing. So I was kind of waiting. Did you need to laugh? All right, go ahead. What I was going to say was that some of my favorite films that are not on this list, because they weren't in 2015 or even in the last few years, have been based on novels. A Time to Kill, which, you know, I absolutely love that movie. Right. And most often, and those of you who are readers, you know that when they take a novel and they make a film out of it, most of the time, the book is better than the movie. And that's because they put so much detail into the book that they just can't translate onto screen. Right. Even though you, if you're not a reader, you think the opposite. Right. Because visually you can see so much and you can see like details in a room and you can see a person and and that you can take so much more in when they're when you know all all of your senses that you that 
can see what a person looks like and you can hear what they say and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's just not the way that it works. When a writer writes, he, he or she, and I'm going to say he just for the sake of simplicity, he puts the words on the page and then all of that goes into the way that you, I don't even know how to explain this, but when you're reading it, you take everything in, every word, and, and he he creates this image of his characters. And if he does a good job, then there is character development. And you come to care about all of those characters. And then he then he creates the story, and he creates the environment that they're in. And then the story starts moving forward, and... There is a beginning and there is a middle and then there is this conclusion, whether it's a happy ending or a sad ending or it's tragic or whatever. It just, it works. And in the movie, they try their best to do that. And then when you watch the movie, maybe you'll say, well, she doesn't look like that. That's not what she looks like. Because when you've read the book, you've created an image in your head of what he or she looks like. And you've created in your head what their town looks like and what their house looks like and and all of these things. And so the movie always seems to fall short. No matter how they try, it just doesn't quite measure up. Sometimes the novelist becomes the screenwriter and they are there on set every single day and they have their hand in it. And they make sure that the movie is true to the novel and they have this masterpiece of a movie. And then that's magic. It's wonderful. And then you'll, then you'll you'll hear people say the movie was true to the novel. Right. And then that's great. That's what a time to kill was. It was perfect. Right. Gershom writes this fantastic book and then you watch the movie and it was, incredible. I can tell you one where I didn't feel the same and I'm probably going to get people complaining, but The Notebook was a fabulous movie, but I didn't like the book. Right. I read the book, but I read the book after. Right. I read the book thinking, okay, I'm going to absolutely love it because Nicholas Sparks is this tremendously gifted author. Right. And everything he touches turns into gold. Right. I know where he lives too. I'm going to throw something at you. And I read the book. Yeah. And it just wasn't as, I didn't get as much emotion out of the book. Right. I didn't get as much detail I didn't feel. Right. The, the movie was just so much Well, I think better. that, I think that, that, that movie really created a spark. Uh, see what I, did I there. What you did there. I, I'm I'm curious. We'll never know, but I'm curious if you had read the book first, how you would have felt about the movie. I, I'm curious too, but I'm I am a sucker for books that then have been turned into movies because you know I love to read and I you know I like to see what they have done and because I think the only time that I've ever seen a movie and then gone back and read the book. No, I was going to say the only time I've done that is the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but that's not true. I saw uh, Silence of the Lambs. 
Mm-hmm. And then I read the book. And it's funny because what you're talking about, let me go back to something too. I think <clears throat> we have an hour left. Um, I think part of what people, with a disconnect between readers and, and moviegoers of the same story is not in just that, because we bring a lot of what we read um, to the table. So you and I can read um, the same book, but because we have different experiences and we're different people, we're going to interpret what we're reading different ways. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have a different image in our mind, unless the character is like chiseled, drawn out, you know, like uh, Clive Custler's character um, has opaline green eyes. And, you know, my character has a scar underneath one, one eye. Um, uh, you know, there's certain features on characters that are going to be the same across the board because the, the author has said, this is what that character is. But the rest of it is up to our own interpretation, which we bring a, a piece of us to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's necessarily what trips people up in in the translation to film so much as when they're not truthful to either the spirit or the story. It's not so much as like, oh, I thought that room would look different. Is that um, the story should be this, and they changed it. They change the story for the movie, and and mm-hmm. they have to do that. Sure. Um, because you just like you had mentioned, there's so much detail in a book you just can't put in a movie. Right. And a lot of times, there's something that happens in the book that they have to they have to um, shorten or even cut out completely just to move the story along. And a lot of people get tripped up on that. So I think that's really where where the the issues happen. But talking about um, Sounds of the Lambs. I kid you not, they use dialogue from the book in the movie. And I had seen the movie first. I'd probably seen it a, a half dozen times or more before. I, and then I read the book. And I remember reading that book. And I remember toward the end of that movie, or toward the end of the book, rather, when um, the the movie was so tense, the book is the exact same way. I mean, it's a page turner, like, like you just, and your, your heart's racing and, you know, you're just, you're scared because it's, it's, it's this really tense moment. And it was exactly like the book. I mean, it was crazy. Um, But I mean, I, I understand what you're saying that there's, you know, it's nice when the authors are involved with the film. Right. Like room. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you you thought Room was was done really really well, and you really enjoyed it. And held so true to the book. Yeah, and right. I, I think a lot of that is that um, is that the the author was the the screenplay wrote the screenplay. Mm-hmm. So anybody out there that wants to pick up my books, be sure to hire me as as a screenwriter. Exactly. <laughs> so when I'm continuing my research. Um, so I, I was on on the list. Fifty Shades of Grey obviously came up, which I did not read the book, um, and I did not go to the movie. Um, and I know there's a lot of people out there who did. Both. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the, I will tell you some of these scores. The Revenant and Room scored. Uh, they both came in and sharing the top spot in first place. They were at 8.3. Mm-hmm. Fifty Shades of Grey um, was at 4.1. Yeah. That's where it scored. Um, the book, and again, I didn't read the book. I had right. no interest in reading the book. Um or the book, the three, whatever, however, whatever it is. I, I don't have any idea. Um, from what I have heard and what I have read, um, online reviews, whatever. Right. It's just poorly, poorly written. Yeah. Um, but it's smart. I mean. Well, again, I mean, you can you can have things that are provocative and and that kind of genre that is, is well-written. You can have somebody who is a good writer right. and write in that genre. The problem with this book is that it was not well-written. Right. And yet people were drawn to it. Right. Because I, I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters either. Snooki wrote a book. And a lot of people bought it. Right. So anyway, going back to Fifty Shades, millions of people read that book. Right. And then there was so much hype, so much hype because of the movie. Everybody flocked to see the movie. The movie stunk up the theaters. Yeah. And people were complaining that that um, it was miscast. It just it was bad. It was just bad all the way around. Right. Um, and they were complaining that you know Dakota Johnson did not fit who you know she was not who they pictured in the book. Right. And that the guy that played the lead should not have been who, who right. they pictured should have been in the book. The bottom line was you've got a bad book and then you've got a, I don't know, worse movie. I'm not sure which was worse, but all around it's really bad. And guess what? Now there's a second movie that they're making. Right. And I don't know if the same people who read the book and saw the movie are all going to flock to see the second movie, but you've got this. This goes back to my earlier when we were starting in the beginning of this this generation of mediocrity that right. that's what they're settling for that right. that's okay. Well, part you of know, the I think it, at a four point one, right? I wonder how many how much money that book made for the series of books, whatever it was. Right. Those movies are going to make. But that's see that's the reason that's why that's mediocre. Yeah, but and here's the thing is that. Um, on a business side, the film contract was probably signed based on the on the popularity of the book. Sure. So when they went to sign a contract, they said, "We're doing a two or three picture deal." Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure that's how it so, worked out. So and they they agreed to that up front, and now they're they have to be held to that, and it's going to cost them money. But, you know, that's what you get for signing a three picture deal. Mm-hmm. But, but that was just you know kind of going back that you know people now having seen the movie that they're rating it right. 4.1 right and i know um <clears throat> okay so last year um i had similar list for last year and you and i only saw i think one or two of these but um gone girl was the number one movie for 2014 yeah um based on a novel. Great, great movie. That movie was, I thought that movie was fantastic. That chick was psycho. Yeah. She's a psychopath. 
brain damage. That chick was a psychopath. It scared me. Yeah. I slept with one eye open for like weeks. Well, you weren't sleeping with her. Doesn't matter. She's a psychopath. I don't know. She's not going to come in here. That chick was a psychopath. Oh, man. Uh, Maze Runner. Are you familiar with that? Didn't we do Maze Runner in Alaska? Yeah. It's a, ser- it's a series. It's a Hunger Games-esque okay. type of deal. Uh, Divergent. Another Hunger Games-esque mm-hmm. type, of, type of. Unbroken. That was the one that Angelina Jolie right. directed. That's based on a true story, too. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Um, Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> Tom Cruise. Movie. Yeah, based on a book called, I think, All You Need Is Kill. Beauty and the Beast, which I didn't even know that movie existed. Beauty and the Beast? I mean, sorry, that that movie existed. What are you talking Say that again. Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. Uh, Seventh Son. Wait, these are two. 14 movies? Right. There was a movie in 2014 called Beauty and the Beast? That's, yeah, that's what I said. I didn't recall the movie. And then you said you said it like well, I didn't you were totally familiar with it. No, I didn't understand. Well, I mean, I am totally familiar with it, but not in 2014. Wasn't that a Disney film in the 90s? It was a cartoon, but not, a, not like a... Was it a live-action movie in 2014? That's fine. That's how That must have been like one of those Maleficent type yeah, of deals. I don't know. Julianne Moore, Jeff Bridges, and Barnes. Never heard of it. The Hobbit, The Battle of Five Armies. Mm-hmm. Horrible movie. Horrible. Such a just horrible movie. See, that's when it doesn't appeal to me, so I didn't watch it. And the Lord of the Rings trilogy, masterpiece. The Hobbit movies, horrible. Hmm. I do film. I think they're horrible. That good, huh? No, it it really wasn't. Uh, the best of me. Okay. And then the fault in our stars. Yeah, that's supposed so, to be a really good movie. I have that book. So Shailene Woodley, bless her little young heart. Yeah, I mean, she's not that young, but she's young. She's in. She ain't. She ain't thirty, so she ain't ancient. Right? Isn't that what we heard recently? If you're 30, you're over the hill. <clears throat> so she's on this list twice. So good for her. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, who is it? Um, somebody else is on one of these lists twice. It's like, talk about having a good year. Well, I mean, you know, when you're young and beautiful and no, I think super it's, talented. I think it's a guy. But I guess How's that really young and beautiful. Tom Hardy, he's on the list twice. Yeah, I wouldn't call him young and beautiful. I would. <laughs> Revenant, but yeah. whatever. Uh, no, so it's funny. But see, that's good acting. When I didn't even know it was him. Yeah, I guess that was he good makeup anyway. When they when they completely lose themselves in the character, and I can't even tell who's anymore. Yeah. You so know. you did your list based on. Uh, Movies that were books, and mm-hmm. and what I found was especially with novels. How different from what I. Saw. What's the difference between a book and a novel? Could be a telephone book, not really a novel. Yeah, but I mean, a novel is a book. A book may not necessarily be a novel, but a novel is a book. Why are you giving me a hard time about this? 
space, Mars. <laughs> yeah, but I'm right. He was not in and space. And I'm about to give you a left. <laughs> so. And and we've got it on record. I don't know anybody. Yeah. Um. There's a surprising number of movies that are based on true stories. Am I done? Yeah, you are. <laughs> okay. Man, talk about dominating the show. I never get a word in edgewise. Go ahead. You got a, You had two whole lists. It sounded like the same list twice. No? Thank you. You're welcome. My list is from MoviesTalk.com, and I'm not sure if that's Movies Talk or Movies Talk. So it's moviestock.com. Because you didn't do your research? It's actually movies talk. Okay. But when you when you read it, it's moviestock.com. Okay. Like it's, you know. I get it. Like a really weird, creepy how-to website. <laughs> moviestock.com. Right. My salary stock. No, I was thinking like, you know, hop in the bushes to peeping Tom stock. Moviestock.com? I got you. Like celery stock. Completely different things. Like celery stock or celery stock. Who's stocking celery? Some people. What kind of idea is that? Ranch dressing. <laughs> Peanut butter. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Can I do my list here? Um, who's stopping? Um, all right. Well, I'm going to do the whole 20 since you did two lists. Oh, you just happen to have 20 on I just happen to. Yeah. Top 20 movies based on true stories, according to moviestalker.com. Ready? Number 20? Is this on? Ready? Yes. Paul 13. Great movie. Ron Howard directed that Tom Hanks came around. Just kidding. I was going to say, yeah, you did, because we saw it in the theater, Knucklehead. Uh, number 19, Code Art. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, I think. Uh, number 18, Men of Honor, about the uh, first black Navy diver with Cuba Gooding Jr. OJ. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we could do a whole show on that. Number 17, The Blind Side. Good movie. And you know what? Right. Sandra B., she does a good job. He also wrote the short. The guy who wrote Michael The Blind Lewis. Side? Oh, good for him. Mm-hmm. Number 16, oh, trivia uh, one of my favorite movies, All the President's Men. I, you know what? I, I, I realized the other day I was watching uh, Spy Game came on with uh, Brad Pitt and Robert Redford. I've seen a lot of these movies. Uh, I think that I think I have a man crush on Robert Redford. You and every other person on the planet. Yeah. That's a good man crush to have. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some and there's something that guy, that youngster, he's got something I going for him. Personally. Did you really? Yeah. I come off the bike? No. All right. Number 15, 127 hours with Mr. Creepy, James Franco. Okay. <clears throat> I don't even know what that movie is. Oh, that's true story his, about the, that's his... the kid in Utah who mm-hmm. fell on a rock, fell and had a rock yeah. fall on him and he had to mm-hmm. cut his arm off. Fell on a rock and had a rock fall on him. Well, yeah, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Number 14, The Great Debaters, about a black professor in 1935. 
number 13, uh, Angelina Jolie movie, The Changeling, uh, about a, a boy, young boy's camping in 1928 Los Angeles. I've never seen that movie. Uh, number 12, Ray, Jamie Foxx. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I yeah, couldn't Jamie get on Fox, board. Yeah, it's such yeah. a great performance. It made me not like Ray Charles. Well, there was a lot. Ray Charles, rough for me. as talented and as as amazing a person as he was, there was a side of him that was not very likable. Yeah, not very likable. Yeah. Uh, number eleven, Radio, with uh, Ed Harris and um, I think this is a football player, uh, mm-hmm. mentally challenged. Yeah, football player. I saw that. Um, I didn't. Uh, number ten, Amazing Grace, um, about the the story of William Wilberforce, um, who fought Parliament to outlaw slavery. I'd never even heard of it. I think I've seen that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eight Mile was on this list. And they said it was uh, it's the movie with Eminem. Yeah, that's true. That's his story. That's yeah. See, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? I saw the movie and didn't really. I mean, I I got that it was. That was the whole. There was so much hoopla when he did the movie. Yeah, I know there was because Eminem was doing a movie, How but did I did not know that. I mean, can I tell you? Because I didn't know. Hmm. I just thought it was a movie about rappers in Detroit. I didn't about know. Eight Mile Stretch of Road or what? Yeah, I mean, I know that's what it's named after the Eight Mile, but anyway. Hmm. Moneyball, uh, Brad Pitt, and. Uh, Jonah Hill, is that his name? Uh, number seven, Remember the Titans? Mm-hmm. Football movie. Uh, number six, Beautiful Mind. Another Ron Howard film. Mm-hmm. It was a really good movie. Uh, number five, Aaron Brockovich. Good. Julia Roberts and her boobs. Um, right? Because, I mean, you know, half the movie, her boobs are a character, right? Okay. Finney, he was in it too. Don't leave him out. Finney was in that movie. Number four, Raging Bull, about the boxer Jake LaMotta. And and honestly, I think that's... Al Pacino, right? Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. Sorry. And um, uh, Joe Pesci. Not funny, quirky, you know, they get you at the drive-thru, Joe (laughs) Pesci, but... It's one of Martin Scorsese movie, and mm-hmm. and I actually think it's one of his one of his best movies. And I'm a lot of people think that, but you go back and I you look at you pulled them before the show. I did. Okay, I did. Uh, I you go back and look at at Scorsese's earlier films, talking about character development, and they're they're so there's so much more different than they are today. And obviously, he, he's grown as an artist. Martin Scorsese has, but Raging Bull is a really good movie. Uh, number three, American Gangster. Uh, my Boy Denzel. Mm-hmm. God, I love that man. I know. He's your man crush. Hell yeah, he is. He's a good-looking man. Great actor, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, Russell Crowe. Uh, number two, Show's List. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, here's, here's genius in filmmaking, Right. Is that whole movie is in black and white, and the girl's dress is in red? Right. Like, who does that? He did. Yeah, but I mean, just God, so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I 
I hated feeling like that, watching the whole movie. I just felt like I wanted to cry. I mean, I did cry, but it, it just... You didn't make out on a date like Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. That movie was just gut-wrenching. Just... Steven Spielberg essentially takes your heart out of your chest, beats the crap out of you for like three hours, your own heart, and then like Mike drops it and says, pay attention. Yeah, just incredible. And then number one, catch me if you can. That was Leonardo DiCaprio, right? And Tom Hanks. That was another Steven Spielberg movie. Mm -hmm. Frank Abagnale Jr., so I thought that was pretty interesting. And there's there's a lot of the true story based on true stories for this year's Oscars. Yeah, based on, yeah. Um, and so I had... Nice, I like that. Yeah, and I had a couple other... I was, I was thinking, okay, oh, you know what? Before we run out of time, this is what I want to say about movies and, and stories. Talking about... I, I was thinking, okay, what's the perfect movie? And and when I always think about the perfect movie, I kind of... I always my mind always just kind of leans towards Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's 90 minutes, right? No, listen, what are you laughing about? Big Bang Theory. I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He had something to do with the movie. He had the outcome. Raiders of the Lost Ark is 90 minutes, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, the character development is amazing. It's an action film. It's a comedy it's a drama. Uh, it's a love story. It's like the perfect film okay. from start to finish. And then I started thinking, okay, well, you know, like what, what are really good solid movies? What do I think are like the, the perfect movies? And I started writing some stuff down and like what makes them really good movies and what makes them perfect. I, it, I threw Shawshank Redemption down there in my notes. Mm-hmm. Just an amazing movie. Um I wrote down uh, Memento. I, I don't know. I know you haven't seen Memento. No. Um, but it's it's great on plot. Character development is really really super strong too in that movie. Seven is another movie. Fantastic movie. Yeah. Um, and then I started thinking. All right, I could tell you exactly what the perfect movie is, and it's only part of a movie. It's the first twenty minutes of Up from Pixar. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the first 20 minutes. First 20 minutes is... I had a migraine when we were watching. And I want to say that the character's name is Walter, and I know I know that's wrong. But His name's Walter. Is it? The old name is Walter. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Walter, it's the story of Walter and his wife from the very beginning until he loses her. Mm-hmm. The first 20 minutes of that movie. If you take that 20 minutes, I think it's 20 minutes. It might be shorter than that. Mm -hmm. So don't, you know, yell at me on Facebook. But it's about 20 minutes, um, I think. So anyway, that segment, if you take that segment and you snip it from the rest of the movie and you play just that segment, it from start to finish is the most perfect film ever made. Hmm. It is absolutely, it's it's a three-act play. It is um, a love story. It's comedy. It's drama. It's everything you could ever want in a movie, and that's it. It's like, and I'm, I, I don't even think it's twenty minutes. It's the perfect movie, which doesn't surprise me because you look at what Pixar has done with filmmaking, and 
forget about with filmmaking. If you look at what Pixar has done with storytelling, they may be the single greatest movie studio ever in that regard. Their stories are just solid, start to finish, character development, everything. You know, what was interesting is that when we were going through the list, when you were just mentioning that some of these were based on true stories, true events, whatever, and we've been talking about storytelling and how to tell how to tell a really good story. And I wish there were more real storytelling going on mm. in this year's Academy Award nominees. Yeah. Because <clears throat> As much as I'm, I'm going to go back to Room for a second, only because it's it's kind of at my fingertips here. But Room isn't the true story; it's just based on a novel, right? And although sadly, that's a story that is not not like that hasn't happened, right? Things like that have happened, and we've seen it here. We read about it in the pages of you know our newspapers, whatever. Um. I want, want to see movies make the Academy's nomination that comes out of the minds of amazing storytellers right. that aren't just based on good events. Right. And I want to see those minds working like the amazing minds at Pixar. Right. I, I want to see that kind of stuff. Right. You know, that these people are just sitting down at their desk, pen and paper, and just writing these amazing Stories. Right. It's great to see these these true stories, you know, come to film so that we can see them because so many of these true stories, like The Revenant, mm-hmm. it's great that we get to see them because now everybody gets to experience it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And there's a place for that. No, no question. But I also want to see storytelling. Yeah. And, you know, that's why a lot of people right now, that's why you're seeing a lot of really big name actors and uh, in in television, because a lot of people feel like television is a better medium for original telling. Sadly, mm-hmm. now is with Hulu and Netflix and HBO and and all these guys making original content, and they're really pushing the boundaries of original content of storytelling, which is fantastic. That's that's you know what we're looking for as consumers. That very thing, that original idea, stories like Breaking Bad and um, uh, trans- Transparency. Transparent. Transparent. Um, you know, there, there's there's a lot of original content. The sad thing for us as consumers is that because television is so fractured right now, um, is that we either have to spend a lot of money to get all that stuff so we can watch all those, or we miss out. Which you know how I feel about that. I right. just don't think you should have to pay right. for another service to be able to watch those things. Right. But and and so and I think I think we still have a few years of television turmoil before all of the cord cutting I you know companies whatever get get situated because it um it it'll it'll come back. Well, I think we'll come back to being a bundled um, service. At, at some point so that people can just buy a service and be able to get all that original content. So I think, I think the, the television industry is going to be in flux for 
a number of years before they get that settled. But uh, I'm like you, I, I don't want to pay for five or six different um, pay as you go, pay uh, uh, video on demand services so that I can see that original content. Uh, so we miss out on quite a bit, but, um, but I think to your, to your point of having a, a desire for original content, I think that's why a lot of big name celebrities are coming to television right now, right? Because that's where it is, which is very funny mm-hmm. because, you know, you look at 20 years ago and that wasn't the case. Um, big name celebrities for the most part, didn't want to be on television because it was considered uh, beneath them. Well, yeah, and because you couldn't get the stories made that you wanted to get made. <clears throat> um, and then, um, you know, they just, they they broke out of their shell and television broke out of its shell and, and really started pushing the boundaries and, and good for them, you know. So but I think I think creativity in that sense is still kind of in, in on some level um, not in its infancy, but but very much progressing. It it really um, media outlet really, especially now with the with the internet, um, doesn't know where it is. Everywhere, I mean, you've got people that are that are creating. <laughs> I mean, how much time do I spend on YouTube looking for original content and finding it for free and enjoying the hell out of it? Right, and um, and it's most of what I'm looking for and what I'm finding is niche. Um, very, very niche, small market stuff. But people are producing high quality programming and and you can go almost anywhere on the internet and find it. It's 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 incredible. Um I, I think in in kind of winding down the show and wrapping it up I think even though I was a little cynical in my open, um, I don't think movies as a whole, as a general statement, I don't, I don't think movies suck. I think there's a lot of crap out there. Um, but I think that you and I have been able to find, and I think a lot of people have been able to find, um, those, those more independent films or, um, those passion projects that make it to the big studios that there's a lot of really good storytelling out there. It would be nice that there's more high profile original content because there's a ton of original content out there, but it's hard to get to. And and it's hard to get word out that right. they're out there. Um, but I, I think that I'm, I'm encouraged that um, our, the 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 film landscape won't just be overrun by guys in capes and um part 7 of a series type of stuff um that we're going to see thought provoking and emotionally gauging content um and i think that's one of the great things about about new media is that they're gonna. It's gonna find its way to the surface. Well, I think I think like we said at the beginning, there's there's probably always going to be, you know, the kind of movie that you just go to. Not necessarily you buy, but one will go to just to escape. And whether that's, you know, we know those aren't the movies that are going to win the awards, right? Um, but 
people will go to them, and they'll go to them in probably very large numbers. Right. Um, they're going to have the crude jokes, the easy jokes, um, the, the potty humor, the you know the stuff that's that's easy. Right. That probably a high schooler could write. Yeah, right. Not very smart. Right. And and that's okay. Or clever. Right. It's not clever. Um, and and that's okay because. Somebody thinks it's funny. A lot of somebody think it's funny, and they're going to go to it, and and they just want to be entertained. Right. Um, yeah, I I just I just I just want to see them giving the forty five million dollar budget that they give to an Adam Sandler movie. I want the studios to go a pair and give that forty five million dollar budget to a young filmmaker who has an original story to tell. The upside to that, or the flip side to that, is that when you go to the Santa Barbara Film Festival, that Adam Sandler movie doesn't stand a chance. Right. But that young filmmaker, his film is there. And it is getting a chance. I, I agree with that. And at the Sundance Film Festival... That Adam Sandler movie isn't there either, right. and neither is the, you know, one with all the fart jokes and the the. I thought we were talking about Adam Sandler movies. I know the, <laughs> the whatever the you know the the Bachelor movies. Those right. movies, those aren't there either. So there's there's kind of a balance, right? You know, there's these there's these amazing film festivals all over and world world renowned film festivals all over, right? That are that are avenues for these young filmmakers to have their voices heard, to have their films right. seen, and no, no, I get it. Those other films don't stand a chance there. So, but yeah, they do get wide release because there's a lot of mediocrity out there. Right. I get that. There's a lot of gift bags being handed out. Yep. That's good stuff. I enjoyed this conversation. You too. You know, except for you ragging me on me the whole time. I, I thought it was good. <laughs> uh, so what do you think? Uh, here pretty soon, maybe a uh, you see a prediction show in our future? Do you predict a sure. prediction show? Yeah. Oh, all right. I'll have to put that together. Tomorrow we'll see Bridge of Spies. Yeah. What's the other movie we're going to see tomorrow? Oh, Cliffhanger. What's it called? Everest. Everest. <laughs> Close. Cliffhanger with uh, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. And then we're going to see Brooklyn next. Yeah. That'll work. Mm-hmm. Good deal. All right. Okay. Any last words? Thanks for joining us on the Morton Podcast. We'll see you next time. Be good to each other. <laughs>